Okay, this is a video taken in June of the Chinese government removing a cross from a publicly approved church building in China, which are rare, but they are there. The, not, the entire church in China is not necessarily underground um, all the time. When I was a kid, I used to think that mean they met in basements and tunnels, but that's, that's not what that means. It just means they have to meet in secret out in the woods or in barns, and, but just not publicly. But there are some that can meet publicly. They have approval, and things in China are not uniform. They're very local. And so some areas the church is quite public, and other places the church is completely secret and everything in between. And uh, this was taken just in June as the government um, didn't say the church couldn't meet. They just are pulling the cross off the top of the building. This is a public church building. It's got a cross on the top. The government came and took it down. You can see the police cordoned off and the church members are singing an old hymn. Those of you know that recognize that tune, In the Cross, or Near the Cross, I think is the name of the song, but in the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever is the English words to that song. And you see the police are there. They're not arresting the Christians, even though it's illegal to be a Christian in China. Obviously, these people are very upset, emotional, as they're singing this hymn as their cross is removed. And it just struck me as fascinating that the government would only care about the cross and not the people being stopped. Does that seem backward to some of you? That they would care about the cross. So I just want to talk to you this morning about the symbols of our faith and what they mean and how powerful they are. The Chinese Communist government apparently sees the cross on the top of a building as something more dangerous than a believing Christian who can witness to their friends and family and bring them to Christ. The symbol is more important to them than the people. They let them go on meeting there. The church is still meeting. Interesting. ISIS, as they are sweeping across Iraq, they are letting Christians, I, I know they're beheading and executing Christians, but they are also letting mass numbers of Syrians and Iraqi Christians flee into Turkey and other uh, government-occupied areas of Iraq and Syria, but they are blowing up every church. They're letting the people, some, not all, but the majority of the people, they're letting them go, but they are destroying the buildings. ISIS even blew up a mosque in Iraq because before it was a mosque, it was a church, and before it was a church, it was Jonah's tomb. You know, Nineveh, the city that Jonah went to, was in what is now Iraq, and he spent the rest of his life there, apparently, as the prophet of God when the king and the people repented. He spent, the, this not in the Bible, but the history records, that's where he lived and died, leading those people to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's when he died, Nineveh turned evil again, and the Assyrians were eventually wiped out by the Lord. But Jonah was, it was known exactly where he was buried, and the Christians, 1,500 1, years ago, built a church on that site, 
The Muslims conquered that area, killed the Christians, and turned it into a mosque. But ISIS, even though it was an Islamic worship site, they said, it used to be a church, we're going to blow it up. And they did. How many of you saw the video of them dynamiting the Jonah's tomb mosque? Two weeks ago, I suppose some of you know about this already, but two weeks ago, I believe it was in Oklahoma, I believe it was Oklahoma City, there was a satanic mass in the Civic Auditorium in Oklahoma City. Am I right? It was Oklahoma City. This group of Satanists had somehow stolen some bread, some communion bread from the Catholic Church. And as part of their public ceremony, they were going to pee on it, on the communion bread. They were going to urinate on it, as well as lots of other nasty stuff. So there was a protest. Several hundred people showed up outside the Civic Center to protest this satanic ceremony. It was only, I think, like 20-some people showed up to actually participate in the Satanist uh, stunt. And there was a couple hundred people outside protesting it. If you hadn't noticed, the world's gone crazy. (laughs) The world has gone crazy. Actually, it's been crazy since Adam and Eve sinned. But uh, Jesus said it should not surprise us when the world hates us because it hated me. It will hate you. You should never ask yourself, how could they think that? It should never surprise you that people that don't know the truth do stupid stuff. They're either sons of God or sons of the devil. That's it. There's no there's no middle. So there's this attempt to desecrate the communion bread by urinating on it. If you remember back in the 90s, there was a piece of art that made news because it was paid for by our tax dollars the piece was called piss christ it was a crucifix in a jar full of urine and we paid the artist our tax dollars through the national endowment for the arts paid a couple million bucks for this guy to pee in a jar and put a crucifix in it and it goes on display at the national gallery to pee on a crucifix there is apparently something very powerful about the symbols of our faith that Satan hates. Because he tries very hard, and his people try very hard, to remove pictures, symbols, items, objects, words out of the public. Like Christmas. Hello? I mean, it's season's greetings everywhere. You don't ever hear Christmas in a store or a commercial. Something terribly dangerous to hell about the word Christmas. I'm serious. The systematic removal of crosses from war memorials in our country or the Ten Commandments from government properties and schools and even the fish on the back of our cars must be something that is important because Satan's people have seen fit to change that and add little legs and make it a Darwinist symbol. Seen the walking fish that grew legs and it's this Darwinist evolutionary 
symbol. If our fish sticker on the back of our car was pointless, they would ignore it. But they can't because it means something. The rainbow used to be a sign of a promise from God. It's totally got robbed. It's not meaningless. There is great power in our symbols. I can hear some people would say, some people would get really upset about this kind of stuff, and they do, like the people protesting the Satanist ritual in Oklahoma two Sundays ago. Some of you would say, just leave them alone and let them do their stupid stunt and don't draw any attention to it. Why did there have to be a couple hundred people go protest this idiocy? Just let them do their thing and nobody would notice. Or some of you would say, it doesn't matter if they pee on some bread, it's just bread. It doesn't mean anything. Some of you would say, I don't need, I don't feel the need for a cross in my church building because I have Jesus in my heart. Some Christians would say that it's just symbols. We don't need the Ten Commandments in our school as long as we have the Word of God written on our heart. A church is a church building because the people are there, not because it has a cross on the top. And ultimately, you would be correct. Let me just say before I say anything else that I totally get that we don't want symbols for the sake of symbolism. There is great power in symbols. And the devil knows it, and God knows it, and we don't. Some of us don't. If the cross on the top of that Chinese church was not offensive to the powers of darkness, they wouldn't worry, if it was just a symbol, they wouldn't worry about getting that off the top of the building. They'd be trying to kill all the people inside. Do you hear me? Of course the people inside carry the Holy Spirit. And it's our testimony and our gospel that is the most powerful thing in the universe. More powerful than a metal cross. But somehow the powers of darkness want that symbol gone off the top for some reason. They want to desecrate the communion bread. They want to get rid of the word of Christmas. They want to get rid of any memory, any history, any symbol, any object that points to God. If crosses and crucifixes and communion bread and the word Christmas and fish bumper stickers are only just symbols of the real thing, then my question today is why is Satan trying so hard to get rid of all that stuff? To desecrate it, to ruin it, whatever. It's because symbolism is the language of the Spirit. Everything in the Old Testament and everything, pretty much everything Jesus taught was in symbols. Hello, every parable? All of the entire Old Testament is a picture, a symbol, a model, a type of Jesus and what was to come. Symbolism 
in dreams and prophecy and scripture is the language of the Holy Spirit. There is great power, spiritual life in that cross on the back wall. In the communion bread that we take, in our actual book Bible, I know that this needs to be in here for it to have the greatest effect. But there is life. This book is living alive. It's not just an object. It's not just a sign. It's not just a picture. Because God's one of God's names in the Old Testament is Jehovah Nissi, which is the Lord our banner or our flag. What is a flag? It is a symbol of the nation. You see the flag of whatever. It's, it's the symbol of everything. It represents everything that that is. And God says, I am your flag. I am the symbol that represents you. But then in the Old Testament, we get lambs and we get the ark, both the boat ark and the ark of the covenant are symbols of Jesus. We get the tabernacle, we get the altar, we get the blood, we get incense and the bread and the lampstand and the tabernacle and we get the promised land and even Moses and David and Joshua themselves, the people are symbols of Jesus. It's all symbolism. And then Hebrews tells us the reason that God set up the temple and the tabernacle exactly the way he did is because they are earthly copies of the real thing in heaven. There really is a temple in heaven. There really is an altar. And Jesus went in there and he put his blood on it and he offered his sacrifice for our sin once and for all time. It's real. But the object on earth is the earthly copy of that. And then in the New Testament, it didn't stop. Jesus talks about sheep and harvest and Jerusalem and trees and birds and fruit and rain and fish and seeds and stones and bread and water and light and fire and marriage and bread and wine. It's all symbols. He didn't say you're like living stones. He said you are living stones. He didn't say words like water will come out of your mouth. No, he said living water will come out. He didn't say you're like branches. He said I am the vine and you are the branches. It's a reality. It's not just a symbol. Symbols are the language of the Spirit. That's why when you dream or even get a prophecy, it has to be interpreted because it's all symbols. It's pictures that mean things very deeply. But even the physical object, like that cross on the back wall, or this book, or a communion bread that we're just about to take, they're not just symbols from 1 Corinthians 11. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many have died. Jesus said, he takes the bread from the Passover meal, and he says, 
this represents my body. No, he did not. He said, this is my body. And he takes the cup and he says, this is my blood of the new covenant. These are not just symbols. In the language of the Spirit, in the reality of faith, our faith creates something spiritually real out of bread and grape juice that is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to tell you what a Catholic priest would tell you, that it becomes actual human flesh and human blood as you swallow it. That's not what I mean, but in the language of the Spirit, by the reality of our faith, it is not a symbol. It is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, Paul says, when you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until He returns. It is not a meaningless ritual. It is one of the most powerful ceremonies, if not the most powerful ceremony we have as believers, is to eat the body of Jesus and drink His blood. We literally become one with Him. I know a testimony of a man who took communion on his own every day in real faith, not in empty routine. We use the word ritual and routine in sort of bad connotations, but there is nothing wrong with ritual if it's meaningful. And even routine is not bad. You do the same thing every day. If you know why you're doing it and what it's accomplishing, routine is good. Faithlessness is what makes something dead. Hello? Faithlessness is what makes something dead. This man took communion in real faith every single day. As, an, as a middle-aged adult man, older middle-aged, like in his 50s or 60s, the color came back into his hair. His body grew younger. Health problems disappeared as he, in real faith, took the life of Jesus into him. Check out the next passage from John chapter 6. Jesus said, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, meaning it is real food, and my blood is real drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. And this man, I didn't know him personally, I just heard this testimony that literally happened in his physical mortal body. He grew younger and stronger as he took communion every day in real faith. He fed on Jesus and he came alive to the point that his gray hairs went back to colored, whatever color they had been. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and it is so not just a symbol. It is so not just bread that that passage in 1 Corinthians says, if you take it with unrepentant hidden sin, you will die. And Paul doesn't say some or a few. He said many are sick and have died because this is not symbolism. And none of us should be afraid to confess our sins and draw near to Jesus. That is what that is about. 
So you don't have to be perfect or have gotten it right for the last three days to take communion. It's talking about hidden, unrepentant, refused to change sin. Hello? But that is how not symbolic this is. It is real. It is very powerful. So, the Satanists know that. And it is not okay that they would steal the church's communion bread and they're going to urinate on it. Because it isn't just bread. There is real power in it. Life and death power. Life and death holiness is right there in that bread and in that juice. That cross is not just artwork. It isn't just represent an idea. Because in the New Testament, after the Gospels, I went and looked up every verse that mentioned the cross. And almost all of them, when Paul or John or Peter or whoever is referring to the cross, they are talking about the actual wooden cross that Jesus died on, historically, on Calvary. They're talking about that cross. But there are three references where... Paul particularly begins to use the cross as a meaningful symbol for Christianity. I don't know if you know this historically, but the cross was not a symbol of Christianity for several hundred years. They used the fish. Because Jesus had said, the sign of Jonah I will give you. I will be in the earth three days and then I'll arise again. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and then he came back. It was a picture of Jesus' resurrection. They didn't use the cross because crosses were normal, everyday objects of torture and execution. So they didn't wear cross necklaces, but it was becoming the symbol and then has been for 1,800, 1,700 years now. The cross has been the main symbol instead of the fish. But the fish was the original symbol because it was the sign of Jonah, of the resurrection. But Paul begins to use, in Galatians 5, he begins to use the cross as, a, as an object in and of itself. He said, if I preach the law, why do I still suffer persecution? Meaning from the Jews, they wanted the Christians to be Jews first, and then they could believe that Jesus was their Messiah. But he says, if I, I'm not going to preach that, because we're not under the law. He said, the offense of the cross has ceased. Meaning if I give in to these legalistic demands of the Jews, then the cross won't be offensive and I won't suffer persecution anymore. But I refuse to do that. The cross is the cross itself is offensive. Now, if he meant Jesus or the gospel, he would have said that. He said the cross is offensive, which is why the Chinese government needs to take it down. The next passage also from Galatians, as many as desire to look good in the flesh, these would compel you to follow the law, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. But even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He is not talking about the actual wooden stick that Jesus died on, because Paul wasn't crucified on that stick. The cross has become a meaningful symbol in and of itself, and Paul says, I died on the cross with Christ, and I will boast in the cross. There is life and death power in that thing right there. But it is not a mistake or an accident that the Mormons won't put one on their building. There's a reason for that. 
because it has power. And it means something. But the spirits of darkness, the spiritual hosts of wickedness that are our enemies, they hate the Bible, the cross, the fish. And they will do whatever it takes to get any symbol or representation or even historical mention of God out of the public eye because those have real power to change lives. Apparently, even mindlessly repeating the Lord's Prayer every morning in school was too much of an exposure to Jesus. So 50 years ago or 40 years ago or whatever that was, we have to get rid of that. And you and I know the majority of the kids that repeated that prayer had it memorized and didn't know Jesus at all, but that was too much because it exposes kids to Jesus. So Satan gets it removed. We can't have a cross on a war memorial because a cross this little big on a slab of marble with all these veterans' names on it, that's offensive. It's that powerful, and that's how dangerous the devil sees it. So, kiss your Bible every day. I've told you that before. I read my Bible, I get so excited, I kiss it. <laughs> Annoy a demon, wear a cross necklace every day. Use the word Christmas all December. <laughs> and revere communion. There is real power in it. We are proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. It is not something we just do on the first Sunday of the month because Jesus said to do it. We're doing it because our faith is literally dependent on his ripped up body and his spilled out blood. And he said, this is it. This is how you do it until I return. Do it in remembrance of me. So we do. And there's real power in it. There's real life power. So I know that it may not be your fight to get involved in the political side of things like crosses on memorials and protesting a Satanist ritual or, or whatever, but the people that feel compelled to do so are not wrong. They are honoring our nation's history of honor for those symbols. And any removal of any symbol that stands for Jesus, for the gospel, for godliness, any words like the Old Testament or other scriptures on government buildings, they have real life in them and real power. And when they were put there, the people believed it. And now our world is trying to get rid of that stuff. It's worth fighting for. It's worth identifying with. It's worth wearing a cross. It means something. And taking communion means something. And we're going to do that right now. Jesus said, my body is real food and my blood is real drink. And if you eat and drink of me, you will have life. And then he took the bread and he took the cup and he said, this is my body and this is my blood. So again, I'm not telling you this changes into the 
flesh and human blood of Jesus as it goes down your throat. But in our real faith, there is real life in this ceremony. There is real spiritual power in this ritual. It means something. Jesus knows it. The devil knows it. Do you know it? Honor it. The worship team is going to sing this song again, and you're welcome to stay and meditate where you're at. You're welcome to come with your family to the table at the back and the table at the front and take communion with your Jesus. Again, I reiterate, not a single person in here is perfect, so you don't have to be perfect. You can't try to be perfect to take communion. That is not how that verse should scare us. It's, it is people who are refusing to admit they're wrong, who are refusing to change, that are violating the power and the life of this ceremony. And I don't know that that's any of you. You know your, your heart and your situation with the Lord, but I don't think anybody should be scared to take communion. But th there is life and death power in this. When we eat this bread and we drink this cup, and the life of Jesus Christ comes into our body and our mind and our spirit. And we are one with Him. Because the symbols of our faith mean something. There is real power and real life in what we do here. Don't let it be routine, empty routine. Put faith in it. And it will be meaningful and life-giving. And you will know His power. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your death on the cross that opened a new and living way for us to come boldly before the throne of our Father. Lord, we believe with all of our faith that this is not just pretend, it isn't imaginary, it is real. That we really are your children and we really can come before your throne and that we really are in your heart and before your throne. Because Jesus, you took your blood and you poured it out on the heavenly altar and your sacrifice is good once and for all time. We don't need to be ashamed. We don't need to wonder if you want us or love us. But that as we remember your sacrifice right now, right here, there is real power. And that the God of the universe is one with us. That you are living inside our bodies. That your life flows through our veins. And we really are alive in you. That as we prophetically act out, eating this bread and this juice, that the spiritual reality is true. That we become one with you. We eat your word and we drink your spirit. And you course through our veins. And you are the matter that makes us up. So we love you and we praise you and we thank you from the bottom of our heart. We thank you for the power of this ceremony that you gave us, Lord. For the power of the symbols that you gave us our faith. Thank you for be even being our flag, our banner over us in your love. We love you, Jesus.